Hello and welcome to another edition of Shattered Lives. Uh, this is the Irish Daily Star and Irish Mirrors crime podcast. Um, for those of you who don't know uh, who we are, um, if you're a first time listener, my name is Paul Healy. Um, I am crime correspondent for the Irish Daily Star and for the Irish Mirror. And I'm joined by... Michael O'Toole, who's the crime and defence editor for the Irish Daily Star and the Irish Mirror. Yeah, so this is a, a crime podcast, uh, not very original, plenty of people doing it, but uh, we appreciate those who do uh, listen in to us every week, try to do them as regularly as we can. And uh, yeah, um, we have plenty of uh, plenty of weekly discussions about gangland crime and anything that's happened. We have a, a pod that we specifically call The Week in Crime. And then we also do special um I don't know what do you call them, investigations, but features on particular stories that have um, kind of captured the imagination of the country or massive crime stories or anything that we think is worth discussion. So today uh, we're actually speaking about Declan Brady, Gangland's Mr. Nobody, uh, another one of those nicknames that the media has come up with. But uh, it's a good nickname because it describes really a person who hid in the background, a figure who was unknown really to us and to the public really uh, until really 2017 when shit hit the fan and the weapons were discovered in the Green Oak Industrial Estate, which we'll discuss in a moment. And everything came out about this secretive life, this secretive individual who blended in, looked like a normal person. Um, that's why we call him Mr. Nobody. So I'll come over to Mick first because the reason... We'll start with this because the reason why we're speaking about Declan Brady now is because he has just pleaded guilty to facilitating the murder of Noel Kerwin. So maybe that's a good place to start just to remind people about uh, the murder of Noel Kerwin. Noel Kerwin was a lifelong friend of Jerry the Monk Hutch. And people, will, listeners will remember one of the first, the first murder in the feud after the murder of David Byrne in the Regency on the 5th of, of February 2016 was that of uh, Edward Nettie Hutch, who was Jerry Hutch's brother. And that, that was on the Monday. So David Byrne was murdered on, on the Friday, the 5th of February, and then uh, Nettie Hutch was murdered on the following Monday. So his funeral took place maybe 10 days later, a couple of weeks later. And obviously... There was a lot of media interest in it. There was a lot of public interest in it as well. And Jerry Hutch uh, attended it, obviously. Um, and there, well, actually, there had been some spe speculation that he might not attend because he was under a very significant threat from the Kenyan cartel at the time. And, you know, we were, we were all speaking to our, our, our sources, basically, at the time. And I don't think they, the guards really knew if he was going one way or the other, but he did turn up. He had to, he had to say goodbye to his brother. Now, Noel Kerwin, as I say, a lifelong friend, he was seen walking with Jerry Hutch when he left the church on Sean McDermott Street, where the funeral took place. And little did we know at the time, so that was, it was, it was March, it was late February 2016. Little did we, did we know it, but as the, the Kinnan gang saw those pictures and they went for him. And Mr. Kerwin uh, was living in Clondalk. And, and if I recall, it was December 2016. He was attacked 
and, and shot dead in the driveway of the home he shared with his partner in Clondalkin. Really, really savage murder. Um, and it just is typical of the Kenyan cartel. You know, you know, the, the people close to them would start briefing and things. They went for Mr. Kerwin because he had been seen being very close to Jerry Hutch. As he mm. as he walked him away from and he drove him away from his brother's funeral, it was really really it was one of the, look all the murders in the feud were callous and shocking and vicious, but that's one of the ones that really stays with me because the nature of why they targeted him. Do you know what I mean? It was really really horrific. I thought it was horrendous, and I don't think anyone really could have predicted it because I you know. I know maybe some blame was put on the media as such because we're talking about a photograph, a, an infamous, a now infamous photograph of Jerry mm. Hutch at his brother's funeral with um, Mr. Kerwin standing next to him. And that that has been seen by Gardy as possibly being the catalyst, as you've mentioned, for the, the whole thing. But really, um, whether it was the photo or whether it was him being publicly cited, I think it was that it was a, such a sensitive time that anyone that was seen to be connected to Jerry Hutch at that period mm -hmm. of time was a target. And unfortunately for Mr. Kerwin, because he was standing next to, and I believe possibly had even driven Jerry Hutch to the funeral that day. I, um, I, I, I think he drove him away. No, I, I, yeah. I, I, I wasn't there. I don't think I was, I was on another, we were on another job that day. Um, I'll put it this way, I don't think the Kenyan cartel needed any media photographs to establish who was with Jerry Hutch. You and I have spoken about this before, Paul. The, the, the Kenyans had infiltrated the North Inner City. They had paid people who would have known the Hutch family mm. for any information about them. So, you know, there were people in that community, in the wider North Inner City community, who had turned and were working for the Kenyans. So even if there were no media there, the Kenyans would have known, in my opinion, that Mr. Curran was there. I, I think that's a fair point. We know about, and we know that there are, mm. you know, people from the North Inner City who are doing life for Kenyan murders. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's quite known. And we did stories at the time that the Kenyans were offering money because the Hutch family were such a well-known family in the North Inner City. People were being paid seven or eight, nine thousand, thousand euro to give information about them. So, you know, they had their people. I mean, that's the reality. It is a sad reality. I mean, look, Mr. Kerwin, a completely innocent individual, a beloved father. Um, I know that his children have spoken out since about him. And I know that he was uh, heavily involved in the inner city and in, in anti-drugs uh, movements and that. Um, not a criminal gangland figure by any stretch, but sadly lost his life as a result. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, of what we've been speaking about at that stage, the Kinahans were willing to target anybody. But the involvement of Declan Brady in this affair is not really something, well, certainly wasn't on my radar. And we've yet to learn, you know, really the full facts, because just to state that while Declan Brady has now pleaded guilty to facilitating this murder, uh, as of the recording of this podcast, he's yet to be sentenced. So there's been no trial. So we don't have all of the details as to, you know, what his role was in this conspiracy. And he, he, he is before the Special Criminal Court. That's a non-jury court, as we all know. So we have leeway. But he will be sentenced on the 28th of February. So it's, a, it's in, uh, in the morning of, of that date. So evidence or the facts will be read in for, for sentencing. So there'll be plenty of facts given there. Can I just, his name, do you want to talk about the, the nickname Mr. Nobody? Because mm. I, I, I think I know who coined that nickname or 
it's not like it's maybe it's not a well it's not like the classic nickname of you know that we give people like mr big or whatever it has it's a very, function to it yeah, yeah it has a function right because it's very apt and i think that if if i recall it was my journalistic hero tom brady who came up with that to tom brady in the in the in the irish independent because tom as ever beat the, the living delits of all, all other journalists he, he always just had stuff first and it was tom who really had that line now the thing about tom Tom also came up with the nickname or the name RERA for the Real IRA. Mm. Really? Because wow. when the, yeah, yeah. When the Real IRA were formed in 1997, they contacted Tom and they used, and I have spoken about this before, all IRAs call themselves the IRA. So the RERA don't call themselves the, the Real IRA or the IRA, they call or the, you know, whatever. They call themselves the IRA because they regard themselves as Ogley and Heron, which is going to be illegal soon. They call themselves as, as IRA, and it, it came about because they were they were holding some of the legal checkpoint, and they said we're the IRA, the real IRA. So it became real IRA, and Tom got the first call from them. I remember I was working for the Irish News at the time, and I remember he had a headline the next day: "Rira August Rulebulia," right? And that's where Rira comes from. So Tom, you know, the great Tom Brady has, if I'm right, has two nicknames under his belt. Very good, and maybe just to describe to people. Why the name Mr. Nobody? I mean, I know I alluded to it at the start, but uh, I mean, it's it's very much that he was under the radar, wasn't he? I mean, he, yeah. he, he well, obviously the guards had suspicion as to who he was, but really the first time that he was spotted amongst all of these cartel figures that we know of and certainly in photographs that we saw was at the funeral of David Byrne. Yes, and that was, yeah, I do know that the guards had been aware of this man he had, they would call it collated. He had been spotted or collated acting with other senior Kenyan heads around the time of the Regency. So 5th of February, around that time, 2016. Obviously, there were lots of meetings. You remember that the Saturday after the Regency, Daniel Kenyan was spotted by Fat Freddy Thompson running through Cromlin. So mm -hmm. there were lots of crisis meetings. And we know that this mystery person had been Pilated or photographed or whatever, but people were going, the guards were going, who is this fella? So so the funeral of David Burden, who was murdered in the Regency, I, I think it was really cataclysmic for Declan Brady. Because people didn't really know who he was up until that time. We do know that he had been spotted or collated by Gardy. There were lots of meetings happening around the time of the murder of David Byrne. You'll recall, for example, that uh, there was a photograph, we got a photograph of Freddie Thompson and Daniel Kinnan meeting on the Saturday after the Regency. So there were all these crisis meetings and we know that at one, now it wasn't to do with the Regency, I think it was more about the, the running of the Kinnan cartel itself, he was photographed. He was spotted or collated and people were trying to identify him because he'd never been spotted before. Now, he turned up at the funeral of David Byrne and if if viewers remember, we can talk about. I, I wasn't there. Were you there, Paul? No, no, I wasn't there. No, um, although obviously I, uh, did follow it from a distance. Yeah, well, I was sort of there. I was up above in a in a, in a Cessna plane with Mick O'Neill. We Mick, the photographer. We we hired a plane, or the star hired a plane, and we photographed it from up above. Followed the cortege. Got some great pictures of really really great pictures of the cortege going into the church there uh, on it was, it was on Mead Street wasn't it so I wasn't down in, on the ground looking at stuff one funny incident actually 
when we when we were up and flying over. I, I, I think it was a broadcaster made reference to the army, the, the Irish Air Corps, flying a plane overhead, looking observing it. It was us in a wee Cessna. Was, anyway, Damn. so. Um, <laughs> uh, but if you recall, people like Freddie Thompson and Daniel Kinnett, and they all wore the same uniform, which was a dark suit, light blue sh shirt, and a dark blue tie. It, it effectively was a uniform. And Declan Brady was photographed at that. Now, yeah. so he obviously it showed his importance, but he was stopped the evening, he was stopped the evening of the funeral. Guardy stopped him, got him out of the car, whatever, demanded his name. And that was when the first time that was when the guards identified who he was. So his going to that funeral, he obviously felt he had to, probably was the start of his downfall. They started a lot of their downfalls. I mean, mm. uh, fr from a surveillance point of view, I'd say it was great for the Gardaí because they were able to identify these cartel heads. And even when we as journalists sitting back in the office, I remember looking through all of the photographs and trying with yourself to identify the who's who. And obviously we mm. saw Freddie Thompson and we saw Bomber Kavanagh. And at that point, yeah. even Bomber, Bomber Kavanagh, we'd, kno we'd known of him, but, the, but to see him front and centre with Daniel Kinahan, Freddie Thompson and the likes, um, and Liam Byrne, obviously, um, you know, it re it, we were really seeing the leadership of the cartel in unison. And obviously Declan Brady was standing there and we didn't understand the significance of who he was. But those photos have proved invaluable. But there was uh, also, in, in, uh, yeah, sorry, there was also another fella who, it was a real, as you say, it was a real boon to us. There was a fella called Sean Ruth, and we got a picture of him. Now, he was charged, and, you know, he's done his time, so that's grand. Um, he was charged in relation to the, the cartel, and we were able to get his picture from the our, our general GVs of the funeral. And I don't know how, but somebody, I think somebody gave me a description. And I started looking at the photographs with, we have a, we had our own super recognizer, Karen Morgan, who used to work on our picture desk. She's now working in the Sunday Times. But she was looking at the picture and she went, I think that's him. I said, sure. And it was. And I sent it off to somebody who said, yeah, that's him. So it was a real boon to journalists because we were able to get all these pictures of people. I'm sure that there are others we, we won't abuse them. But yes, look, that, that funeral, you know, they had, I understand why they did it. They were, they were saying goodbye to their friend, but they also wanted to send a message that we are the Kinahan cartel. You, mm. you know, they, they, obviously the way they were dressed and everything, but I, I, th I think definitely in Brady's case, it definitely backfired because he became the centre of a major guard investigation. A, a, a foolish move in, in retrospect, and he obviously played a much more active role uh, after the fact. I mean, I suppose the Kinahans were in crisis mode. They were battling a feud. They were murdering people left, right and centre. Obviously, uh, 16 people they murdered in total mm -hmm. in this feud and it's about a year later January 2017 when things finally caught up with Declan Brady yeah um, uh, we were actually we were actually hunting we heard a rumour or somebody had told us that Daniel Kinnan was in Dublin and we were at a certain location we'd been there I think for two days and we were driving to it for the third day because we thought right if we get Kinnan it's a great one it was, it was mm -hmm. South Dublin it wasn't there but anyway you got to try these things and then we just got a, a call to say, get the, get the Green Oak, which is an industrial estate near Baldonnell Air Corps, the case in Derridrome in Baldonnell in South Dublin. And that was, uh, Dan, Derek, Declan Brady had been renting a lockup or a warehouse there, and it turned out to be one of the main headquarters, the logistics base of the Kinahan cartel. And they got 
The guards raided it. Now, he wasn't in it, but he was arrested in a van nearby. Three men were in the place. They got 17 firearms. It was their arsenal. Now, I think the reason why it was raided is it was coming up to the anniversary, first anniversary of the murder of David Byrne. And the belief was that the Kennans wanted to do a large-scale attack to commemorate him. And what's really interesting about of the of the firearms that were seized, several were loaded, and they're not. You, you don't usually do that. They were loaded, and out of their package and everything. So they were they were getting ready to to transport them to the hit team, basically. So it was a very very. It was a really great operation by the guards, and it, it was like seventeen firearms. There was an assault rifle. There were, you know, pistols and stuff. It really was. Looking back, it was really one of the first hammer blows against the Kinahan cartel. If you remember in March 2016, they did all the cab raids, you know, against Liam Byrne and all that sort of stuff in Crumlin. But this one in February, January, February 2017 was a real hammer blow because it was their logistics base. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, it's, it's, I'm just looking at, we, we've obviously taken notes for this. It's nine revolvers. Uh, four semi-automatic pistols, a submachine gun, and an assault rifle uh, found yeah. in, inside. So, I, I mean, that's serious business. Yeah, I mean, that that that's war. You know what I mean? It's not one or two pistols. These are heavy. Some of them are military-grade materials, so it shows you the, the murderous intent that the cartel had. Now, they'd already killed four or five people since, up to this time. But there were others afterwards, and this this raid undoubtedly saved lives. God knows how many lives it saved. So Declan Brady was arrested. No, he was found. He was in a van outside. Yeah, he was in a van outside. Yeah. So normally, yeah. you know, I, we've covered plenty of cases where, say, there's been a gun found in a car, and there's been a fella standing close to the car, and the DPP won't run with it because you have to mm-hmm. have that cause and link. But whatever happened. I, they probably had surveillance and that sort of stuff. They had enough and they got it over the line. So not only the, I think it was three men in the place, but Brady outside in the van was done and charged. And from that then, he, he ultimately ended up pleading guilty. Yeah, yeah, they all pleaded guilty. I think it was a, it was a, a, a year later, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah, I think it was, uh, I think it was about a year later that all of them pleaded guilty. Uh, it was July yeah. 20, 2019, sorry, they were, they were convicted in July. They were sentenced in July 2019. Now, he got uh, effectively 10 years in prison. Now, that was a good whack. He had no real previous convictions before that. He had five road traffic act convictions, but nothing. That's, and that's why Tom coined the phrase Mr. Nobody, because this person, you know, like you and I can talk about, say, somebody like Freddie Thompson, who has... God knows how many criminal convictions and became involved with the feud and became involved with the, the cartel when the feud mm. really, really happened. He became front and centre. But there are people like Declan Brady who were literally nobodies, who hadn't come to the guard attention before. When he was photographed, they didn't know who he was. They're, mm-hmm. they're Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau. So that shows you that he was very much under the radar. But what we did learn was Although he was under the radar, he was central to the running of the Kinahan cartel. Now, I, although he's pleaded guilty to facilitating the murder of, of Mr. Kerwin in December 2016, we were always told that his role in the cartel was more about running the organization, not the murder gang. So the, the cartel doesn't exist to murder people. It exists to make money. And the way they do that is by money laundering and, and drug dealing. So that was the focus of what he was organized. So shipments on whatever, you know what I mean? So he was very 
usually separated from the murder side of it, but he was obviously very successful because he was regarded as the man who ran Kenyon's operation in Ireland, the drug side. Wow. And I mean, obviously, once they started looking at him, they realized this guy has serious wealth. He had a lovely house out in Selbridge. He had a successful business. Um, clearly, he was raking in the money. And the fact that he was so centrally involved in the um, overseeing of, of these weapons um, obviously raised red flags. So the Criminal Assets Bureau ultimately looked at him. And even though he was jailed, for I think ten and a half years, am I right in relation to yeah. the guns? Yeah. Um, he 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 was facing much for more trouble down the road, and ultimately was investigated for money laundering and settled uh, a bill with the Criminal Assets Bureau and pleaded guilty to money laundering. But also his wife, Deirdre Brady, got caught up in this conspiracy, and really she was uh, doing the bulk of the money laundering for him. Um, and then he also had a mistress on the side, Erica Lukacs is her name, and uh, she was also laundering money for Brady. And you're talking, I think it's over 1.5 million in total uh, mm -hmm. in rela in money laundering. Um, he laundered 418,000 uh, through multiple uh, bank accounts, and his wife then uh, she laundered 770,000 while Erica Lukacs, nearly 200,000. So serious, serious bulks of money. And did, did I read somewhere that Deirdre Brady was unknowingly or inadvertently paying the rent for the mistress Lukacs? Yes, she was. And, and, and also for a property out in uh, Mallorca, uh, which belonged to Mr. Brady. I think it's since being seized. So mm. she was paying 3,000 a month uh, to a Spanish mortgage account on on a property there, yeah, in Calador in Mallorca, um, up to one hundred and thirty eight thousand between the years of twenty fourteen and twenty sixteen. Um, also, it just shows you the kind of money they were dealing with, the wealth that they had. They paid sixty six thousand euro to the Druids Glen there in Wicklow for a a wedding of a family member, and twenty seven grand worth of that was money put behind the bar and spent on uh, the rooms in the hotel itself. So huge, huge chunks of money. Uh, and yet Deirdre Brady would go on to say, and I know she was interviewed by Pat O'Connell in the Sunday World, that she was mm. kind of clueless to all of this and that she went along with things because she was like, these are dangerous people and what do you do? Uh, and she got the shock of her life when the Gardaí came in and raided the home and that the money and the, and, 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 and the firearms were discovered. That is when it all came to fruition for her and she realized the extent of what her husband was involved in that's what miss brady says today she actually hasn't visited her husband in jail since 2017 um and miss lukax his mistress uh has been a regular visitor and has a child with him um i actually recall doorstepping um erica lukax in 2021 after she was ultimately spared a jail sentence and um, she refused to apologize for her role in laundering the money uh, for Declan Brady. He, he's, he lived a colorful life, as I said, mistress on the side, laundering money for him, wife laundering money for him, wife who, who now seemingly has, has significantly distanced herself from him. Uh, both women are, are not in jail, um, but they were laundering hundreds of thousands of euro worth of Kinahan cartel cash and 140 grand's worth was paid, interestingly enough, into an account that was linked to Thomas Bomber Kavanagh. 
So Deirdre Brady was, I suppose you would say, unknowingly uh, sending money uh, to none other than Thomas Bomber Kavanagh. And I, I think the belief would be that that's how he, uh, Brady became involved because he was from Drimna, the same rough area, you know, rough area as Bomber Kavanagh. So I think that's how he got involved. But look, you know, it's a real, it's a real eye opener for me because, you know, we always look at people, say like Freddie Thompson. Or, or whoever, you know, Liam Brannigan, any, any of those people who are associated with the, the, the Kinahan cartel. And we think we have a good handle, but they're the only people that really raise their head above the surface or that are above the parapet. And I wonder if, I would be amazed if there are not more Declan Brady's in Ireland mm. and abroad at the minute. If, when you think about this, you know, say we can talk about Ross Browning or, you know, all those geezers. They're all, they're all Bernard Clancy. Did you, had you, had you heard of Bernard Clancy before he was put on the sanctions list? No, I had, right? And, and I was quite happy that I had because I had a fellow, oh, Bernard Clancy, here's the man. So I knew about him, he was from Dublin 8. But how many people knew about Bernard Clancy? But what I'm saying is, there, there, ha this cartel, it's a billion euro cartel, right? Mm -hmm. So that's Premier League. So there are bound to be other people in Ireland who are essentially involved in money laundering or bringing in drugs or just being part of Kenhan's organisation that we, that, that, the, that never mind us, that the guards have never heard about. Mm. Do, does it make sense? Yeah, and, and, and you have to wonder whether Declan Brady, had he not shown face at the funeral, would he have remained under the radar? Because from that moment on, clearly he was under surveillance and they were watching him and they were trying to find out everything about him. Well, he, as I say, he had been spotted before the funeral mm -hmm. and he, he, he'd become majorly to their attention for something. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he would have been the centre of a, 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 a Garda investigation. But, you know, he was stopped. He was going to the afters. Remember, there was the afters in, in, in South, I think it was South Dublin somewhere after. So he was stopped and they did him there. So if he'd been wise, he may have just gone home rather than going to the afters. But look. You know, that's how they got him. And now in terms of his jail sentence, obviously, we, mm. as, we, as we said, he's serving about 10 or 11 years for the firearms offence and he's uh, was a further seven and a half for the money laundering. Um, with this conspiracy, uh, with this uh, involvement in facilitating the murder of Noel Kerwin, um, how much more jail time is he really looking at? Yeah, so I've worked this out. So it's, it, I think looking at the, it's Section 72 of the Criminal Justice Act of 2006, facilitating guy. Now that's up to 15 years, but he's pleaded guilty. So the, you would normally expect a decent chunk of that to be taken off. I think we did this before trying to speculate about sentencing mm. in the, in the Hutch we trial. Did, we were off. Yeah. We were, we were way off. So, you know, let's say between five and 10 years. Now, but here's, I, I was working out the maths earlier. He's been in custody since February 2017. So normally, were it only for the, the 10 years for the, the, the Green Oak firearms, he would have been expected to be out around June of this year to 2024. Mm -hmm. But he, as you say, he got the extra seven, seven years. Now, I worked that out with remission. It's about five and a half years, five five point six years. So that would have brought him up to twenty thirty. Now, uh, the reason why it went up that far is the judge backdated it to when he pleaded guilty, which is in twenty twenty one. So he didn't backdate it to when he went into custody in twenty seventeen. So 
it'll be interesting to see whatever sentence he gets if the judge says it's to come from the day of sentencing which i have seen it's to go to start from the day you went into custody which would have been 2017 or it's to start from the day you pleaded guilty so that was only that was the, at the start of january so it's a movable feast in other words, it may mean that he gets a consecutive sentence, which would be added on to the remainder of his sentence, or it may be concurrent, so he might serve it in the body of his continuing, his existing sentence. So he could be out basically in 2030, hmm. or it could be five or six years after that. Fascinating. And as I say, we, we've yet to you know, hear the full facts from the Special Criminal Court as to what Declan mm -hmm. Brady's role was in the murder of Noel Kerwin. Um, I think it's safe to say he obviously didn't pull the trigger, but he, given his uh, hierarchy within the cartel and what we know about him, I think it's probably fair to speculate that he certainly was involved in the, perhaps the financing or organising mm -hmm. of the hit. Yeah, and look, it's up to, the, I always say this, don't we? It's always up to the judges. But look, the man pleaded guilty to significant crimes, to significant firearms offences, and he pleaded guilty. It was 268,000 he was hiding in an attic in a house in Kildare, so he pleaded guilty to that. They're significant charges. So, you know, when he pleaded guilty to the firearms, he, he effectively had no serious criminal convictions. He's pleaded guilty to this, and he's got two stonking criminal convictions. So that will clearly go against him in this. So, you know, I think he probably come to terms with the fact that he's going to get a good whack of a sentence for this. Mm. Is this a new cartel tactic, just plead guilty? Because, I mean, they're totally goosed. I mean, we've seen it with Bomber Kavanagh, uh, clearly a, a close friend and associate of Declan Brady, and now Brady himself just putting his hands up and saying, yeah, you got me. Yeah. It, it could well be. Maybe they're just going, right, if I fight this, I'll get a longer sentence. Or mm. if I fight this, maybe stuff will come out about Daniel Kennan or, you know, they're running the cartel that they don't want to come out. You know, because mm -hmm. you hear evidence in court and things can and will come out. Whereas if you, there is obviously fact, there are obviously facts given for the sentence hearing, but not all the down and dirty stuff that everybody will be able to pour over. So maybe there are various reasons, but I think it's self-protection as well or self-preservation. Now, I mean, we are going to hear a lot over the coming months about the murder of Noel Kerwin because uh, there is another individual before the Special Criminal Court, Michael Crotty, and he's just pleaded not guilty uh, to uh, helping a crime gang commit the murder of Noel um, Duck Egg, as he was called, Kerwin. So, the, you know, that trial, we, we're going to hear the, de the, the dirty details there. But in terms of Declan Brady's role, well, it comes down to the sentence and hearing how much we're going to hear. I suppose we will hear a good chunk of the of what would have been the prosecution's case um, in that sentence and hearing later in February. So we'll definitely probably do another pod for that. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll try and elucidate things for listeners and viewers. <laughs> so we leave it there. Yeah, that was that was I thought that was very interesting. Thanks, Paul. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we hope to have another pod with you later in the week, if not next week. We do our best to give you one or two pods a week. I am. Uh, well, when you hear this pod, I'm actually not in the country. I'm uh, very far away uh, in lovely New Zealand, and I will be for the foreseeable. Um, so, Mick, you'll be doing more pods, I'm sure. 